Welcome to today's podcast, Casting Down Idols. This is the podcast where we talk about addictions and recovery from a biblical point of view. I'm your host, Pastor Mike Dixon, and I'm addressing the problem of addictions from my own personal experience, but most importantly, from a biblical perspective. Whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, shopping, gambling, or overeating, or whatever struggle you may be facing, I want you to know there's hope for change. It's my prayer that through this podcast, you'll pick up some tools and encouragement that will enable you to live addiction-free. I've been clean and sober now for 31 years, and you can too. Whatever it is that binds you doesn't have to bind you any longer. So let's learn, grow, let's encourage one another on this road called recovery. Praise the Lord for another week. Welcome back. This is Pastor Mike Dixon, your host of Casting Down Idols, where we talk about addictions from a biblical perspective. I know we've just celebrated Easter. I trust everyone has had a wonderful resurrection celebration. I know that we did at Oakdale Baptist Church as we had the opportunity of celebrating some baptisms of some brand new believers. So today I want to start with a very special text of scripture. It's found in Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 3. Just listen to this. I hope it'll bless you. Paul writes, and he says in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, Or do you not know that as many as us were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. If you mark your Bible like I do, mine is all marked up and highlighted throughout. That last verse that I read in verse 6 where he closes and he says, We shall no longer be slaves to sin. You know, as we just celebrated Easter, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, I'm reminded of that text because when it comes to our struggles and our addictions, and we think about what Jesus did for us, you know, the the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But he didn't just die to pay our sin penalty, but he also died in our place. He didn't only die for us, but he died as us. And that's what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 6 in those verses I just shared. He died in your place on that cross, and on the third day he rose again from the dead, not just for you, but also in your place. And so when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you identify with what Christ did, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, that he did that for you, but he did that as you, you can walk in resurrection power today. Isn't that good news? You know, John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus is speaking and he says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We talk about that verse quite often in our life ministry. We meet every Tuesday night at Oakdale Baptist Church. Those three things that Jesus said the enemy's come to do, to steal, kill, and destroy, that certainly describes addictions and struggles that we have in our lives. The enemy doesn't want to bless you. The enemy wants you to have the judgment of God upon you. He wants to destroy you. If he can, he wants to take you to hell with him because he knows his time is running out. 
But you don't have to allow him to do that. You can walk in the power that's made available to you today because of what Jesus Christ has already done. You know, that's the good news of the gospel. God can give you a fresh beginning. God can give you a new start. You can receive a power right now today you didn't have before. If you just look to the Lord and trust him and ask him to save you and ask him to help you, he'll do it. I want to thank you for listening to this episode as well as the previous episodes. And if you've not done so already, I want to encourage you to go to iTunes, subscribe to the broadcast so you can get a notification each week as a new episode is posted. My goal is to release a new episode each Tuesday. If you subscribe to the podcast, then you'll get a notification that that episode has been released. Also, if you would, on iTunes, if you'd give us a positive review, maybe a five-star rating, if you're being blessed by this podcast, that would greatly help us reach more people with the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I also encourage you to drop me an email, pastormike at obcbaptist.org. That's OBC, stands for Oakdale Baptist Church, Pastor Mike at obcbaptist.org. If you've got any prayer needs, suggestions, some topics you'd like for me to cover from a biblical perspective as it relates to our struggles and our addictions, I'd be glad to consider those as well. Please don't forget to like us on Facebook, maybe even repost this on your social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, again, so we can reach more with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, I want to talk about thinking about what we think about. Now, I know that sounds strange, but unless you take time to really think about what's going on in your mind, your thought processes, then you will never be able to identify those thought processes that need to change. It's up to us what we think about. We are not just supposed to be speaking correctly and acting correctly, but we're also supposed to be thinking correctly. Remember, Jesus said, as recorded in John chapter 8, verse 32, that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so if the truth brings us freedom, what do you think a lie is going to do? That's right. It's going to bind us up. It's going to put us in bondage. So we need to make sure that what we're thinking is true. Now, that leads me to my next question. How do you know if anything's true? Where do you look for the source that is completely trustworthy and always faithful? Well, I'm here to tell you today that God has never let me down. His word is always faithful. I can take the Holy Bible. I can take God's holy word and I can take it to the bank, so to speak. I know that's going to be true and true through and through every single time I look to God's word. That's truth that I can count on. The truth of who I am, why I was created, what my struggles are how I can overcome my struggles, where I'm going to spend forever, how I can have a right relationship with God. All those topics are answered in God's word. And God is not a man that he should lie. And so when I take the truth of God's word and apply it to my life and the power of the Holy Spirit and walk in that truth, that's going to lead to freedom every single time. So let's take a few minutes today and ask ourselves, what am I thinking about? I need to just pause today and think about what I'm thinking about. Let me read off a list of statements that I think you're going to be able to relate to. I know that I certainly can. Statements that we sometimes tell ourselves, and you may be telling yourself some of these right now. So I'm going to read through these, and I want you to just pay attention, listen, and ask yourself, which one of these really resonate with me? Have you ever said these? It's my life. I can stop anytime I want to stop. I'm not doing it to get high. It's not a problem. Someone else is making me do this. I can handle this just a little bit. It's not my fault. I couldn't say no. I know what I'm doing. Just one more time. I need this to relax. 
It's legal. I'm not breaking the law. It's all your fault. I'll quit tomorrow. You know, and I'll pause right there to say that's one of the lies of the enemy that he uses near the top of his list. If he can get you to put off till tomorrow, your recovery. If he can get you to put off until tomorrow to make a decision, things are going to change and they're going to begin to change right now. Then he can continue to hold you captive. I wonder if you've ever said this to yourself. It's just a social gathering. I can stop anytime I want to. I'm not hurting anybody. Nobody cares about me. It's my life. I can do what I want. When this is gone, I'll quit. Oh, I remember back before I accepted Christ and back when I was abusing drugs and alcohol, how many times I used that excuse. When this is gone, that's going to be it. I'm going to quit. Sometimes people are afraid they're going to lose friends. Uh, Other excuses for using substances, alcohol, drugs. I'm in pain. Uh, It's part of who I am. I can't help it. The devil made me do it. And I know I'm getting older and a lot of folks probably listening to this podcast probably don't remember Flip Wilson, but Flip Wilson was a comedian who came on television years ago and he had a stand-up routine where he dressed as a woman named Geraldine. And that was his famous quote, the devil made me do it. How many times do we use these excuses to justify our behavior and our addictions? I don't want to go through life just automatically and in a natural way thinking things because I know naturally I've got a problem and that problem is a sin nature. I'm pulled away from God. And that's not just in how I speak and how I live, but even in the way that I think. And so I've got to take my thoughts captive. I've got to evaluate what I'm thinking, the way I'm thinking about things and make sure the way I'm thinking about things and the the, the truths that I hold to be trustworthy or true according to God, because if they're not, they're going to lead to bondage and not freedom. God used the Apostle Paul to write the book of Philippians to the church at Philippi. And Philippians chapter 4 is probably my favorite chapter in this little book of Philippians. And he tells us something here about taking our thoughts captive and thinking about what we're thinking about. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, he says, Finally, brothers, and he's also talking about sisters. He's talking about people in the faith brothers and sisters in Christ, he says, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be anything praiseworthy, think on these things. Now he gives us a checklist right there in Philippians chapter four, verse eight, and a good discipline, a good activity for you to do is to take out a, a pencil and a paper and just on the right-hand column, right-hand side of that paper, just make a list of these key words that he talks about here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And those key words, and I'm looking at the New King James Version of the Bible, those key words would be true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtue, and praiseworthy. And so I would list those key words on the right side of my paper. And then on the left side, I would begin to write down some thoughts I'm having, maybe even right now. Thoughts about myself, thoughts about God, thoughts about this day, thoughts about struggles, burdens, concerns that may be on my heart or on my mind right now. And then I want to look at those two lists, the right column, things that God says I ought to be thinking about, and the left side of the paper where I've listed things I'm actually thinking about. So see, I'm thinking about what I'm thinking about. And I need to make sure these two columns are lining up. If they're not lining up, one side needs to change. 
And guess which side isn't going to change? God's word's not going to change. And so I've got to change the way I'm thinking about things. I need to make sure that what I'm thinking about are things that are true, things that are noble, things that are just, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are of a good report, uh, things that, that are of virtue, things that are praiseworthy. I need to be thinking about those things. Now, I don't necessarily believe in the power of positive thinking, but I do believe in the power of godly thinking and thinking the way that we ought to think thinking God's thoughts, making sure that the manner in which I think about things line up with what God says, because that's going to lead to blessing and that's going to lead to freedom and power in my life and in your life. And so think about what you're thinking about. Did you know that whatever you think is true, whatever you're believing to be true, whether it's really true or not, is going to define your life? Listen to Proverbs 23, verse 7. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So whatever you're believing to be true, whether it's actually true or not, is defining who you are. As you study the gospel accounts and you see our Lord Jesus Christ calling his disciples to follow him, some of those disciples were fishermen. And Jesus commanded them, called them, leave your nets, leave your boats, leave your occupations and follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Well, I want you to know the enemy is also fishing for men and women. And so to speak, he's got a hook in the world and he's got his hook baited with a lie. And if he can get you to believe the lie, he can hook you and he can reel you in. And the result's not going to be freedom, but the result is going to be bonded. Just like that list of statements that I read just moments ago. When we begin to believe those things are true, those will lead us to bondage. Those are lies of the enemy. And what you think about those lies as being the bait on the hook where the enemy is trying to reel you in and draw you into bondage. For example, when I begin to believe, well, this isn't hurting anybody. See, that's a lie. Because when I think about what I'm thinking about, I begin to realize, you know what? That's not true. If I do this, if I go back to this activity, if I do what I'm thinking about doing, I know it's not going to lead to anything positive in my life. In fact, it's not just going to bring negative consequences into my existence, but it's also going to affect those around me, those closest to me. Things like I can quit anytime I want to quit. Well, you know as well as I do. Once you get down the road of addiction, it begins to control you. And you can't let go of it because it's holding on to you with a grasp that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And so we need to learn to look through the lies, look through the bait, and understand the enemy's a liar. Think about what we're thinking about. And if what we're thinking about, if what I'm believing to be true is not true according to what God says, then it's not true, and I need to choose to change my thinking. It's interesting that later on in Proverbs chapter 23, this is the context of verse 7 that I just quoted where it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. That's Proverbs 23 verse 7. Later in this same chapter, in Proverbs chapter 23 down to verse 29, he begins to talk about the effects of alcohol. You know, sometimes I have people come to me as a minister and a pastor now for almost 30 years. They sometimes ask me questions about social drinking. Is it all right to socially drink as long as you don't begin to get intoxicated? And while there's no verse in the Bible that I can point to where it says, Thou shall not consume alcohol, I can show you many verses, like the verses I'm getting ready to read to you in just a moment, that warn us against abusing alcohol. I choose in my own personal life to abstain from alcohol altogether because it's not worth the risk. I don't want to give the enemy one foothold into my life. I don't want to give him one crack in the door to get into my life and to cause me to falter. I've never seen anything positive ever come out of the use of alcohol socially, recreationally, 
in an abusive way. You name it. I've never seen anything positive ever come out of using alcohol. Now, I can name, I could list off so many negative consequences, things that I've seen happen in people's lives because they have been under the influence of alcohol. But I know it's been true in my life. One drink leads to another drink, and that easily leads to another drink. The best way to stay away from the sixth drink is not even to take the first drink. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 29, the writer says, Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contention? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine. Those who go in search of mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things, and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, or like one who lies at the top of the mast. They have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? Now again, in the Bible, when we look at the word drunkenness, or we see the topic of abusing alcohol or being a drunkard, that's all a picture of substance abuse. So that could be drug addiction as well. And here in Proverbs chapter 23, he begins in this section that I just read by asking a few questions. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Uh, who has contentions and wounds and redness of eyes? And the answer to that, he answers that in the very next verse, in verse 30. And he says, those who linger long with the wine. So when I begin to think about putting a substance in my body that could distort my thinking or even take control of my thought processes, I need to begin to see through the lies and begin to understand and believe what could be the result of this type of behavior and activity. As the writer in Proverbs says, woe, sorrow, contention, complaints, wounds, redness of eyes, all those are the effects of using a substance like this that could control my mind. It bites like a serpent. The Bible's talking about a poisonous snake right there. It's not a, a pleasant experience. It's not going to be anything good that's going to come out of this type of behavior. The writer says your eyes will end up seeing strange things. You'll be like a person that can't walk. Uh, you'll be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, he says in verse 34. Uh, it'll lead to injury. The writer says in verse 35, somebody hit me, but I'm not hurt. And he gets right back up and he may be gushing blood from the side of his head, but he's so intoxicated, he doesn't realize the extent of his injury. Think about what you're thinking about. Make sure the way you're thinking about things lines up with what God says is true. And if it doesn't, you've got to make a conscious choice. I'm going to change the way I'm thinking. I need to think the way that God says all to think. Let me ask you a question along these same lines. Not really as it immediately applies to the subject of addictions. But what do you believe is true about yourself? Who are you? What words would you use to describe who you are? So many times I talk to people who struggle with their self-value. They believe things like, I'm hopeless. I'm stupid. I'm ignorant. I can't do anything right. I'm a failure. Nobody loves me. I can't succeed. I'm worthless. All those things. And many others probably you're thinking about right now. Well, again, I want you to think about what you're thinking about. Is the way you're thinking about who you are and your value and your worth, is it in agreement with what God says? If it's not, you need to choose to believe the truth. In Ephesians chapter 1, here's a wonderful chapter. If you struggle in this area of your self-worth and who you are according to what God says, I challenge you. 
first opportunity you have to get alone with God, open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1 and just read this wonderful chapter and think about who does God say that I am? In Ephesians chapter 1, there's some key verses, there's some key words that are used here to describe who we are in Christ Jesus. In fact, in Ephesians 1 verse 1, we're called saints. Saints. I remember a preacher a long time ago, I don't even remember who said it, but I remember the quote. He said, either you're a saint or you ain't. Either you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you haven't. Either you're a saint or you ain't. And so God calls us saints. Over and over and over again in this chapter, in Ephesians chapter 1, we've got the phrase in him, and him is with a capital H. That's in Christ. We're in him. We're in Christ. In fact, in verse 3, in the very last two words of verse 3 says, in Christ. He's in me. I'm in him. Verse 4 says that he has chosen us. And so I've been chosen by him. So if you feel like, well, nobody cares about me. I'm not of value. I want to let you know, my friend, God chose you. If you're saved, you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He chose you long before you chose him. And so we're chosen. In Ephesians 1 verse 5, it says that we've been predestined to be adopted. To be adopted. We've been adopted into God's family. We've been born again, yes, but God has also adopted us into his family as a joint heir with Jesus Christ to all the riches of heaven. That makes me somebody. Verse 6 says we're accepted. Maybe you've always felt like in your whole life nobody really accepted you. Maybe you can relate to my story growing up in junior high school uh, taking PE class. That was my worst class to take in school because that meant you had to dress out, you know, put on your sports shorts and your t-shirts and get out there on the court and play basketball or football or baseball and i was never very good at sports and so i was always one of the last ones chosen can you relate to that let me tell you something god says you've been chosen not by somebody leading a ball team in junior high but you've been chosen by the god of all gods the one true living god the god of creation you've been chosen you've been adopted you've been accepted verse 7 says we have been redeemed talks about forgiveness. We've been redeemed. God has redeemed us and forgiven us of our sins. Verse 13 says that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Wow. You want to talk about who you are in Christ Jesus? See, I'm talking about thinking about what you're thinking about, the way you think about yourself. Do the things that you hold true about yourself line up with what God says is true right here in Ephesians chapter one? If it doesn't, you need to renew your mind. You need to change your thinking and begin to think, begin to put on what God says is true about you. And you need to start right now today. So stop telling yourself that you're nothing. You're no good. You're worthless. No one cares about you. Things will never change. You can't get this addiction behind you. I'm telling you, they are all lies. And I'm saying that on the authority of the word of God, you don't have to stay the way you are. You don't have to allow your past to continue to define who you are and what your future is going to hold. There's power and there's victory in Jesus Christ. Stop saying you can't and start saying you can. Philippians chapter four, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. I can overcome and you can overcome. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, can't is not a word that you ought to use and believe to be true. That is a lie. You can. From this moment on, you put on that truth. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, one of my favorite passages when it comes to talking about and counseling people about the power they've been given to overcome their struggles and their addictions. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, 
as his divine power. It's talking about God's divine power. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What a powerful passage of scripture. What wonderful promises from God right there in Second Peter chapter 1. Let me tell you, first of all, he says his divine power is given unto us all things. I had a seminary professor at one time who gave me a definition for all. You ready for this? He said all means all, and that's all that all means. <laughs> I like that. Don't take away from it. Can't add to it. All means all, and that's all that all means. So when it says, as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, I don't need anything else. He's given me all the power I'm ever going to need to be the godly man God wants me to be, for you to be the godly man God wants you to be, for you to be the godly woman God wants you to be. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. You've got his divine power. That's all you need for life and for godliness. Really, there's three things in those two verses that God says he's given to us that we can overcome our struggles. The first thing, number one, I just mentioned it, his divine power. Now, you receive his divine power through the person and work and ministry of the precious Holy Spirit. Second thing he says he's given us in verse four, he says, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Now, where do you find those great and precious promises? You find those in the Bible. Why are they so great? Because they come from a great God. They come from the one true living God, the God who one day so long ago looked into nothingness and created everything. And so they're great promises, but they're also precious. And you know why they're precious? Because they're given to us all by grace. We don't deserve them. We can't earn them. We didn't get God's favor because we were so smart or we acted so good or we've done such great things. No, they are great and precious promises because it's all because God loves us and it's all through his grace that we receive these promises. And so I've got his divine power. That's the Holy Spirit who lives in me as a born again believer. I've got his great and precious promises. That's the Holy Bible. That's the truth that God's given me in the word of God that leads to freedom. And then in verse four, he says, also, we have become partakers of the divine nature, his divine nature. I've got his power. I've got his promises and I've got his person. I've got his divine nature. You know, when I got saved, God forgave me. God changed me. God began to do a work in me that's still continuing to this day, making me more like Christ Jesus. But from that moment on, I've not wanted the same things I used to want before I came to Christ. I don't want to go to the places I used to go to. I don't want to participate in the activities that I used to participate in before I came to Christ. God's given me a new wanter. I don't want the things I used to want. You see, when I got saved and when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, he comes to live in you. He gives you a new nature. And when the Bible says we have become partakers of his divine nature, that's not teaching us that we become gods. It doesn't mean that we merge with God. That means that we become participants. We become sharers in the divine nature of God. See, now I desire the things that God desires. I now want the things that God wants. My talk, my actions, my thoughts, 
all should reflect God's desires, God's actions. You know, that's amazing. God in the person of his Holy Spirit has come to make my body his temple. I have God's life in me, God's person in me. I don't have to struggle to be a Christian. My body is actually the temple of the Lord. Isn't that awesome? All because of God's grace and God's love for you. He wants to live in you as a born-again Christian. You know, I think about his divine nature and the fact that we become participants in his divine nature as Christians. His nature determines your appetites. I mean, just think about that a moment. You know, pigs love slop. Sheep love green pastures. Your nature determines your appetites. Your nature determines what you're going to hunger for, what you're going to thirst for. Your nature also determines your behavior. An eagle soars high in the sky because he's an eagle. A snake slithers on the ground because he's a snake. A dolphin swims in the ocean because it's a dolphin. I am not to live in deceit and in a web of lies anymore as a Christian. I have the one who is in truth who lives in me. Your nature also determines who you associate with. You ever thought about that? Uh Uh-oh, here you go. I'm going to start preaching. Your nature determines who you associate with. Think about fish. They swim in schools. Birds fly in flocks. Cattle usually congregate in herds. Bees in swarms. As a born-again believer, because I've got the new nature of Christ in me, I've become a participant, a partaker of the divine nature of God. I don't want to associate with the people I used to associate with. I don't want to go to the places I used to go. I want change to happen in my life. Now, today, I want you to think about what you're thinking about. I want you to make sure what you're thinking about is true according to what God says. And again, I'll just remind you, nothing is impossible in Christ Jesus. You can overcome whatever struggle you're dealing with right now. There is hope. There is a future. Nothing's impossible. You are precious to God. You are of eternal value to him. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you've got everything you need to be the person God wants you to be. You've got his divine nature. You've got his great and precious promises. And you've got his divine nature. You're a participant. You're a partaker of his divine nature. You don't need anything else. You have all you need for life and for godliness. But let me tell you, change doesn't happen accidentally. If you desire real lasting change in your life right now today, you need to make a choice. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm going to look to God for the power I need to change. And I'm making a commitment right now. Change is going to happen in my life. And then you've got to be diligent about a plan for change to come to reality. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, it says, put off the things of the old man. That's talking about stop the things that you used to do, your behavior in the past, before you came to Christ, before you became a Christian. Put off those things, the things of the old person. And then in verse 23, he says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's what we've been talking about today. Think about what you're thinking about. Stop doing the things that you used to do Think about what you're thinking about. Make sure what you're thinking is true according to God. Change your thinking where it doesn't line up with the truth of God. And then the very next verse, verse 24, he says, put on the things of the new man. So put off the things of the old person, renew my mind, change my thinking, 
make sure I'm thinking what's true according to what God says is true. And then I begin to need to walk in that truth and apply that truth to my life and to live out that truth. Let me give you an assignment this week. Not only taking Philippians chapter four, verse eight, where we talked about earlier in this episode about two columns on a sheet of paper and putting down those key words, the way that God says I ought to be thinking about things and then are really evaluating my thoughts and, and lining those up on the left side of that sheet of paper to see if they line up. But I also want you to do something else for me and really for you. Based on Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22, 23, and 24, the passage I just read about putting off the things of the old person and renewing your mind and putting on the things of Christ. Again, I want you to take a, a sheet of paper and I want you to just put a, a line down the middle of the paper so you got two columns. And on the top of the column on the left, I want you to write these words, put off. And then on top of the column to the right, I want you to put these two words, put on. And then halfway down that middle line, I want you just to draw a circle right there somewhere in the middle, right on top of that line separating those two columns. And I want you to write in that circle, renew my mind. On the left-hand side, on that column of putting off, I want you to think about those things in your life that you need to put off. The people you no longer need to associate with, the places you no longer need to be visiting, the things you need to begin to abstain from in your life if real lasting change is going to begin to happen and to take place in your life. And then on the right side of the sheet of paper, under the column that says put on, I want you to begin to list those things that ought to be taking place in your life right now. And so on the left side, if I shouldn't be going to a certain place, on the right side, where should I be going in the place of it? And the key to that is going to be renewing my mind with what God says. See, that's in the middle of both of those columns. I need to look to God's word. I need to say, okay, I ought not to be going to the bars anymore. I don't need to be going to the crack house anymore. I don't need to be going to these uh, drug-infested parties I've been going to, and so I need to put those off. What does God's word say about this? Well, the Holy Bible tells me a lot about the company I keep. The Bible tells me I'm not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, and that's talking about going to church and being in a local body of believers. I need to live my life in a way to bring honor and glory to God. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, and everything I do, I want to bring him honor. I want to bring him glory. And so the places I need to be going now ought to be places that encourage me to do that. I need to be in church. I need to be around godly people. I need to be around people who are seeking to bring honor and glory to God. And go through this assignment on this simple sheet of paper. And I want you to evaluate places that you've been going that you need not go anymore. People you've been associating with that you know is not good for you right now in your new life and breaking out of this addiction. Activity that you've been involved in in the past that needs to quit. And then ask yourself in renewing your mind, what does God say I ought to be doing instead? Where does God say I should be going instead? What type of people does God say I ought to be hanging around with now that I'm a born-again believer? I'm just telling you, you need to think about what you're thinking about. And if you really want change, if you want lasting change, it's not going to happen by accident. You're going to have to be diligent in this process, looking to God for the greatest power you could receive to be successful. And you need a plan to overcome. You can do it. God says that you can. He's given you all you need for life and for godliness. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your blessed promises in your word. Thank you for the gift of salvation that's all by grace. Lord, we don't deserve Jesus Christ. 
We don't deserve a new beginning. We don't deserve for our sins to be forgiven. We don't deserve for you to bestow upon us a power that enables us to overcome whatever struggle, whatever burden, whatever problem we may be facing. But Lord, your word is always faithful. You never let us down and you never will. We have all things that we need for life and godliness. Lord, I pray you'd help us. Help us, Lord, to discipline our minds, to change our thinking where we're not thinking correctly according to what you say. Lord, to begin to think, begin to receive, to begin to understand and reckon it to be so what your word tells us is so about who we are, how we can face the problems, how we can face the future, how we can get the past in the past, how we can move forward on this road of recovery and that we don't have to stay who we are. Lord, I know according to your word, once an addict, always an addict is not what you say. Lord, you create us to be new creations in Christ Jesus. We have all that we need to be someone we can never be on our own. So, Lord, I pray you'd give us the wisdom, give us the discernment, give us the guidance, give us the commitment, the discipline we're going to need to walk in this change that you make possible for every single one of us. And we give you thanks and we give you praise in the name of our resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. It's my prayer that today's podcast, this episode has been a blessing to someone today. I pray you've been encouraged. And again, I want to encourage you as we close, discipline your mind. Think about what you're thinking about. Make sure what you're thinking about is true according to what God says. If it's not, you've got to make a choice. I'm going to change my thinking. I'm going to put off the lies. I'm going to begin to believe the truth. And listen, you'll never know the truth if you're never in the book of truth. So I want to encourage you to get in a Bible-believing church this week. Spend quiet time on a regular basis, on a daily basis in the Word of God, in prayer, asking God to speak to you. Begin to evaluate the way you're thinking about who you are, your identity, how you're facing your struggles and your problems, and begin to believe what God says is true. Because let me tell you, it is true. Lord bless you. Pray for one another this coming week. Pray for me. Don't forget to go to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast so you'll get a notification when the next episode is available for your hearing. Remember my email address, pastormike at obcbaptist.org. Drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, be encouraged, be in the word, walk in truth. You can overcome your struggles. God offers you all that you need for life and godliness. Lord willing, I'll speak to you next week. In the meantime, Be encouraged, encourage one another on this road called recovery.